Hello and welcome to Zookeeping 101. This is the Zookeeper podcast where we take you behind the scenes talking to professionals in the industry about their stories, words of wisdom and journey so far to get to where they are today, really showing you what it takes to be a zookeeper. All views throughout the podcast shared are of those speaking alone and in no way reflect the collections they work for. So please come along for the journey, enjoy the ride and thank you for listening. Hello and welcome to Zookeeping 101. My name's James Dennis, I'm your presenter, and today we're talking all things heading a keeping team, and who better to talk to than Angela Matthews. Welcome, Ange, to the show. Hello there, nice to meet you. Really great to have you on. Now, if you want to introduce to all our lovely listeners exactly who you are, where you come from, and what title you hold. My name's Ange Matthews, I'm currently the head keeper at Colchester Zoo. Yeah, truly amazing. I think everyone can speak from experience. No one simply gets lucky and rolls into a position. Everyone creates their own luck and and builds themselves up over their careers to get into the positions they're into. Have you made them for yourself, Ange? Have you got those stepping stones, those life moments behind getting to where you are today? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm I started my career as a, a work experience, which a lot of us are familiar with. You know, we come from our college courses, we do our, our work experience and our student keeping. Not actually ever with the intention of being a a zookeeper I always wanted to be a vet but yeah I I went into Bannum Zoo as a work experience and fell in love with the career I'm lucky enough a position became available which I was then offered Mike Woolen was a bit of a beast though and he made me actually go through a full interview process even though he knew he was giving me the job so that was uh, my first experience of of nerves of an interview and getting into a position and yeah I've just kind of worked my way through from there went to their sister park for a couple of years in Africa Alive and then um, yeah I've been at Colchester for 18 years now and again and worked my way from the bottom and through all the challenges and all the sidestepping and all the rest of it to, to kind of get to where I am now. So it's been a long journey, but I got here. You've got here indeed. And I think along the way, I'm sure you've built up some advice. If you've got anything that you maybe want to tell our listeners or maybe your younger self from what you've learned along the way and what little gems you've picked up? Yeah, I mean, I think it's always that case of believing in yourself and perseverance. I mean, you know, I was quite shy as a child and, you know, never really used to say boo to a goose at school and never knew that this, like I said, this was the career I wanted to get into. But when I got into it and realised, you know, actually, I really do like this, pretty much anything that they would throw at me, I would do. So don't be afraid to challenge yourself with stuff. Um, Any opportunity that's thrown at you, just grab it with both hands and have a go. If it's not the taxonomic group that you think you might want to work with then give it a stab anyway because you never know in this industry there's a lot of cheeky little surprises uh, and that's really where I've got to I mean as a head keeper you have to be very dynamic you have to be adaptable you have to know a lot about a lot of different species you can't just be focused on one you know you're running a whole team in a whole park so the years that I've had working across all the taxa multiple different species throughout my journey of my career I think has put me in the prime position to be where I am I don't know everything about all the animals. I do rely heavily on my team leaders and my keepers that are out there, but having that basic knowledge to support them and, and do what I do is has been very useful. And I don't think I would have that if I hadn't grabbed everything with both hands coming through my career, really. Very much so. And what was that defining moment between you deciding between veterinary care and deciding that zookeeping was the way forward? I think it was just the variability of it. I think I, I realised that, you know, I don't want to just work with one taxonomic group. I, you know, as much as I love cats and dogs and hamsters and things I did a little rotation in a veterinary practice as work experience it was very repetitive it was you know sort of similar cases coming in so unless you're going to step straight into wildlife veterinary care which is very you know it's impossible to do 
Um, I very quickly realised that I'm a boots on the ground kind of person. I really wanted to be involved with all sorts of stuff and I wanted it there and then. So zookeeping was that career because as soon as I hit the ground in work experiences, that needs cleaning, this needs doing, go and do that, go and fix that. And I'm also um, a bit of a jack of all trades. I like to get my hands involved in everything. So, you know, I get to fix plumbing and I get to sort of plug that needs rewiring and I get to fix a fence and you know that really appeals to me as part of zookeeping that you're not just there to look after the animals it's it's everything and and that's what really appealed to me about the job once I got in there as a work experience. Absolutely and pulling this all together then is there one trait one attribute inside yourself which has allowed you to push on thriving in the industry and get into the position you're in today? Uh, I would say definitely determination. Um, once I put my mind to something, I'm very determined. Um, I'm incredibly stubborn. So if I can't do it, I will just keep trying until I, ta- until I can do it. So yeah, definitely determination. Definitely a great attribute to have. We all know how competitive this industry can be and that definitely puts you in good stead and, and has done so. So no, thank you for sharing that. Now, we all know that this industry can get overwhelming, it can get crazy. And on a day to day basis, trying to keep your head focused on certain career goals, let alone tasks throughout the day, it is tricky. So how do you manage it? And how do you balance your day and, and keep pushing on as a productive manner? I don't know. I just I think I'm a very focused person. So, um, you know, obviously, we all have lives outside work. And, you know, they can be very difficult. But I've always found it quite easy to throw myself into work so when I'm at work my sole focus is those animals and the care that they're going to get and making sure that my focus is on them for the day and that you know anything that can go wrong I'm prepared to be able to fix it um I'm the kind of person that's quite practical as well in terms of forward thinking not going too far ahead and thinking 10 steps ahead and missing ones in between but you know, I I almost always plan for the worst. So whenever you're doing anything, you're thinking, right, if this goes wrong or if I run out of time to do that, where can I fit it in later in the day? And how can I, you know, how can I utilize other people in the team? So even when I wasn't in charge of anybody, I would always kind of have a bit of a bit of a finger on the pulse as to what was going on with the sections so that I knew if I ran into trouble, who might have a bit of a minute to help me or how can they help me now? And then I will go and help them later on so it's just about trying to be focused and just think about one little minute in your day but try and think a bit more broad about what's going on yeah for sure it's definitely something you build upon in yourself your own personality as you mature throughout this industry so no great to hear and i guess through learning through maturing through this industry we all have those those highs but also those lows we have those those learning moments those career moments where sadly things don't go totally to plan and things are unfortunately I guess you could argue mistakes are made how have you learned to embrace them and, and turn them into a success yeah 100% I mean none of us learn without making a mistake you know you wouldn't learn anything if you didn't make a mistake so you know I've, I've made some pretty big mistakes in my career and, and, and you know with some mistakes you, you get away with you know sometimes unfortunately it does go really wrong and you've just got to try and look at it and see what you can do better next time rather than letting it really get you down and potentially ruining your career yeah some really really great advice and that leads us perfectly into the reason we're here for this podcast episode it's the, the managing of a team the building of a team is so essential to the success of a collection a wildlife park a safari park and a zoo overall anywhere in the world now when building a team what is it you're exactly looking for in an individual in a keeper to join your team and, and make your team a success? Um, somebody with a lot of passion, somebody with a lot of initiative. That's the word I want. Yeah. So it's a passion and initiative, really. You know, I'm always the kind of person that even if it's 
there's only a 10 minute window. I can definitely get something done in 10 minutes. You know, I, I'm never one that's, oh, I've only got 10 minutes to lunch. So I'll just kind of amble around and do nothing. You know, if there's jobs that need doing, I'll make it fit in that 10 minutes. So yeah, somebody who's who's willing to think outside the box, somebody who can stay calm in a, in a situation. You know, we, we all have moments in our day where something doesn't go quite right but it's being able to ground yourself and think about what you're doing in that moment and obviously as a young keeper I don't expect everybody to be able to do that instantly but we learn how to become that kind of person but you know I I really admire honesty as well if you make a mistake I really admire people that will put their hands up to that and say look I made a mistake this is what's happened rather than trying to cover it over and pretend nothing has happened at the end of the day a lot of the time we put our lives in each other's hands and we're dealing with category one animals and you know you've really got to have trust amongst your keeping team so the more honest you can be with each other the better I think very much so and I think that kicks into the one of the largest questions in this whole industry especially here in the UK and that is the constant question asked what is more valuable to myself? Is it three years of experience? Is it three years in the field in getting gaining that needed experience? Whether you're in the industry already trying to move your way up or simply into a different role or trying to break into the industry, in your eyes, Ange, what, what's more valuable to yourself? What's going to get them through the door for that interview and hopefully gain that first role within your collection, if not that newer role within the industry? I mean, I would definitely take experience over education. I think education has got its place and I've got a lot of keepers on the team who have done their university degrees and, you know, they bring an awful lot. So I'm glad they have got that side to them. But um, I don't think we can overlook the, you know, the experience. And the problem is, is, you know, a lot of places won't take you without experience. But how do you get that experience without being given the opportunity? And that's that constant merry-go-round that we have. But, you know, I I think if you've got experience having worked in a kennel or a cattery or, you know, you've been around animals, that gives me some idea that you've learned how to read animal behaviour. That's obviously a a real key factor in being a zookeeper is actually being able to read what an animal is doing. I can give you a broom and teach you how to sweep, but I can't necessarily teach you how to how to just naturally be around an animal. So I like to see these people who are calm around an animal um have a good awareness about themselves you know some people will stand too close to a fence and you'll have to say look can you just step back a little bit I want somebody who's aware of where they are within their environment where the animals are and just somebody who like the same as me is just determined and will do anything you know because even as a head keeper I'll stick my hand down a drain or you know I'll get into involved in the mucky jobs and still thoroughly enjoy it because that's part of the career that's what I got into and you know sometimes I'm begging the keepers to get me out of the office and give me some of these crappy jobs because you know I'm, I'm still very very much part of the team and um, you know I love all these keepers that will set their hands at absolutely anything Um, and in terms of you know taxonomic groups and stuff I think you know just as I mentioned at the beginning just grab any opportunity you can even if it's something that you don't think will inspire you you'd be very surprised I I never thought I was going to be a fish keeper Um, but when uh, Sarah came to me a number of years ago and said she wanted to kind of you know mix the section up and bolt on extra bits to the section I was like yeah absolutely give it to me Um, and the section that I started heading up as a team leader became a mega section because every time Sarah came to me with I'm thinking about this I was like yeah me me I want that give it to me Um, and I ended up with every taxa um, across the board on my section all at one time so I looked after everything and thoroughly enjoyed it. What a great mentality to have it sounds cracking at your end and I think you touched on something really interesting there and everyone's so obsessed with getting zoo experience but animal experience is vital from whatever walk of life if you come from whether it be kennels stables smaller wildlife parks or zoos themselves it all contributes to behind the building of a good zookeeper so wherever you can get it from 
make it work for you and push on and do like you're saying try and do as much as you can try and take on as much as you can in a healthy manner and it will get, set you set you up for a good hopefully successful career yeah definitely and you know there's a lot of programs being rolled out now with the student keepers and apprentices and various different things so you know there are ways in and and even if you come in you know we've had a few keepers come in on our catering department or our gardening department but get your foot in the door and you can name for yourself prove that you're a hard-working individual even if you're on another department zoos as much as you know this zoo's a huge zoo but if you want to be on the keeping team and you shout loud enough and and you know we get to know you then if you did interview for the position if we've got somebody that can tell us you've got a good work ethic or, you know, you're prepared to go the extra mile. And that puts you at the top of my pile of CVs if you ever applied for a job, because I've got a base knowledge of what kind of person you are. So even if you can't get in on the animal department immediately, maybe try and get in on another department just so you can start sort of shouting your name a little bit. Totally. And I think to conclude this building of a team section of the podcast episode, is there anything for anyone listening who's struggling to get that first interview or is trying to move up throughout the industry but can't seem to break through to get that interview to that next role. Is there anything, that little golden star they can put on that CV, whether it be first aid skills, you know, rifle skills, uh, rope splicing, communication skills, you name it. Is there anything in particular which can raise them a little higher than the rest of the, the applications coming in? and hopefully set them in a good stead for the future? Um, I think for me, it's showing a bit of your personality um, in your CV. Uh, not like a massively huge CV, because if they go on for too long, I just get a bit bored of reading them. So page or two at the best. But yeah, just try and get your personality on paper a little bit. I, I read too many CVs where you think it's it's very well exercised, it's rehearsed, it's very much, you feel like you're reading what they want what they think you want to read whereas actually I would just like to know a little bit about you and getting yourself across rather than you know a rehearsed idea of what you think I want to hear so just be honest in your CV and and, and don't try too hard absolutely and that leads us perfectly to the big questions as part of this podcast where we tackle some of the larger questions floating around the industry sometimes unanswered and hopefully we'll get to the bottom of them now the reason of this podcast episode truly is to talk about the managing of a team management unfortunately does the opposite of what we usually come into the industry for and that is the work of animals the higher you go in this industry the more people skills are acquired and communication being key so where i'm going with this first one for you Ange, is how would you describe your management style and has it evolved over the years yeah i think it has it's progressed a lot you know um I've had to learn various different ways. You know, I've always been the kind of person, like I say, I'm very determined. So it was always very hard for me not to sort of put on other people. Why aren't you as determined as I am? And I could be quite a, a tough leader, I think. So if I was to go back, I would probably be a bit softer in some of my approaches with people when I used to manage them. Yeah, I just think I'm a lot more open than I used to be. Obviously, there's there's a lot of um, mental health going on now and it's really great that we're so open about that so you know it's discussing that and it's trying to you know it, it's trying to be there for everybody and make sure everybody feels supported so you know I'm the kind of person that no matter what your problem is my door's always open so if you want to come and talk to me about anything then you absolutely can so but I'm also not a big softy with that either so you know there's a line you know I don't want you coming in and and slagging somebody else off if you're not prepared to go and talk to that person about the problem I expect you to be a grown-up as well within your team if you've got genuinely got a problem with somebody then you know talk it through and and try and sort it out don't just come running to me and expect me to sort it out because I think it gets to a point that we shouldn't have tit for tat you should all be grown-ups and be able to talk to each other totally and i guess evolving is key within this industry with that management technique 
how have you learned to you know control create your calming techniques and, and work out where your triggers are and, and progress throughout this industry with your managing style um i think basically my colleagues you know i'm part of um, a team of managers i'm not the only manager so um i think you know between us everybody's got some really good ideas on how to manage and and my colleague who deals with the HR she's um she's really good when it comes to gauging people's personalities she tries to give her advice based on a little bit about who they are as a person rather than a blanket rule of this is how we treat a senior keeper this is how we treat a qualified keeper so I think I've learned a lot from her really into how to actually you know really listen to a person and try and base your advice on what they need in their personalities rather than a blanket rule of it's a yes or a no or it's a they've done wrong etc etc so um yeah there's definitely people in the industry that I've learned of through the years really as to how to adapt my management style that all sounds great and to really sum up all these mini questions into that one question to kick us off for anyone listening what advice would you give for anyone wanting to work their way up through the managerial ladder throughout this amazing zoo industry we work in yeah I mean I think it's um it's a dog eat dog world out there so you know if you if you want to climb the ladder it's not going to be easy because as we know the higher up the ladder you get the fewer the positions become so um you know it, it does become more and more tricky as you want to climb so there's being respectful of your colleagues but there's also not shying away into the background and losing that position because you're not fighting hard enough for it so when I interviewed for this headkeeper role five if not six other people at the collection went through it and and we all knew we were going for the job and you know these are my friends as well as my colleagues so it was you know it's a bit nerve-wracking when you know you're going against your friends for a job but at the end of the day if you want that role absolutely go for it with everything that you've got and and don't be put off fighting for something that you really want so yeah again it comes down to that term determination and that belief that you know that job should be yours what a great way to conclude number one now number two is looking back at your career comparing the current role you're in in the managerial role that you're in right now how does it compare to you know the training level keeper the qualified keeper and i guess the keeper on the ground doing the the day-to-day hard graph with the animal directly how do the rules compare and are they as different as they seem? Um, so there's a lot more paperwork than I've ever had to do, which strangely enough, again, and uh, this is just my personality all over it, I will adapt and change throughout my whole career. So I hated paperwork. I think every zookeeper hates paperwork. But, you know, I've actually found a newfound love even for that because, you know, I, I'm in charge of a lot of the protocols and the health and safety. And I actually really enjoy getting into the nitty gritty and making sure everything marries up. And, you know, I find myself really enjoying that because it's for the safety of my team as well, making sure the protocols are all there, which I'll ultimately keeps them safe out there in the park. It's a lot more staff management across varying different personalities. I mean, towards the end, as a team leader of Tiger Section, I had a big team. I had 10 staff plus work experience, etc. But of course, now I kind of oversee keepers on all the sections. So we've got about 74, 75 keepers. So although I'm not directly in charge of them, you know, they're, they're all people that I, I deal with and whatnot. So it's dealing with a lot more people. But you know, when I walk around in the morning, it doesn't matter whether you're an intern, a junior member of staff or a, a, t- a team leader, I'll always have a smile in the morning. How are you? So I always try to be approachable and, you know, a friendly face and not have them terrified of me just because the head keepers walked in the room. But it is nice when, you you know, you get the respect from these keepers. And I think that's the respect from them comes from the fact that, you know, I respect them. I treat them like normal people across the board and you know, I'm happy to get involved with them. If they need help, then absolutely I'll be there for them. So, you know, I think we, we have a really nice team here. Yeah, that's that question smashed out of the park and on to the next. Now, 
we all know that each role is very different in perception to what it once was and yours is no different you said you're pretty much running part of the zoo and with that comes the management of keepers making sure guests are okay making sure the animals are okay and making sure a day-to-day running is going smoothly with all those cogs turning those plates turning how have you learned to balance it all and, and keep it moving forwards rather than just fall into the size? Uh, well, again, it's a learnt skill. So it's about prioritisation. So um, as you as you progress through your keeping career and you start giving more responsibility in your day, you get used to the idea of what is a priority. Um, as we all know, you can write a priority list in the morning and then by mid-afternoon, it's all gone out the window and you've got a whole new priority list because that that's the job. But again, that's the side of it I really like. I'm actually happiest on my busiest days. If I'm flying around with a seat my pants on fire that's my favorite kind of day because you know if my brain is really working and I'm having to juggle plates and doing stuff you know I find that the most exciting but um you know we've got a fantastic group of team leaders who lead their own individual team so they're the people I have the most contact with so I'll kind of talk to them and then they feed it down to their team um, and like I said I'm I'm part of a group of five managers so between the between all of us we have our own little area that we cover. We we work tightly as a unit as well to support each other. So, um, you know, if there's something I can't manage in a day, then somebody else might be able to kind of help me out in that area. But yeah, it's basically just about trying to stay calm, not worry too much and, and just learn how to prioritise and put the most important task first and slowly work your way through the week. Absolutely cracking. Another one very, very well put. Now, the next question I've got for you is something brand new coming to the United Kingdom, to the industry we work in. And that is the Secretary of State guidelines. It's something over 100 pages worth of change coming to the industry from conservation to education to animal welfare as its whole. Now, with all of it involved, all of it included, will and how will it affect you and your role within this industry and is it going to do too much to you? Uh, well there's a lot changing already so obviously we've all had the draft version we know some of what's going on so there's already been some changes that we've tried to put in place you know better data logging for the reptile exhibits you know different things for the fish keeping you know with better water testing equipment and things like that so we're already trying to edge in the direction of ticking some of these boxes in these standards that are coming but for the most part I'm quite excited I think there's a lot of things in there that are really good for the zoo industry and I think you know as an industry we've moved forward so much in the last 20 years and our standard of welfare and care um, is excellent the fact that even training and enrichment are actually part of our day now whereas they used to be oh if I've got 10 minutes I'll do something for that animal so you know I think as a community we're doing really really well at pushing forward um, I think there are some things that are unachievable um, and they do need to be looked at and obviously there's a lot of zoos that have gone back with you know consultation saying that this isn't going to work and that isn't going to work so hopefully we'll be heard and you know some of these things will be made more achievable but yeah for the most part I think it's actually just going to see our our industry going in the right direction and for some of these critics about zoos hopefully it will just you know quieten some of them as well because it's just proving that our industry is trying to move in the right direction and just getting better and better yeah totally i think that's a big part of our industry we're doing some absolutely amazing work with conservation education and in general inspiring throughout the world but we just need to speak a bit louder. And I think hopefully this, exactly like you said, is only going to improve us and push us on. So fingers crossed for the near future. Now, the next question I've got for you is very simply, in this industry, there is the old uh, jokes which fly around keepers saying that you can generally link the animal to the keeper. They both match up either in stubbornness, playfulness, or whatever the personality matches are. 
on a management scale, is that something that you have to embrace and learn from? Do you manage each taxonomic group differently or is it just a plain, simple, everyone's individual and you manage them as the person goes with no taxonomic group involved? Yeah, I think you definitely could. There's definitely some keepers in the collection that I could, you know, if I sat down and spoke to them, I could probably figure out what kind of taxonomic group they look after. So, yeah, certainly across the board, I would say there are there are quite a few keepers who are very similar to what they work with. And then, you know, we did some training not too long ago about personality traits and how you can fit them into like, you know, varying colors and those colors have certain attributes to them so again you know a, a big thing that we try to do now is we try to you know think whether they're a blue or a green and and you manage them in a different way dependent on what their personality traits are so again as a manager that's something I'm always trying to be mindful of thinking okay you know what kind of personality is this person and how do I manage them compared to how I'd manage somebody else because you know some people react very well to being very direct uh, and other people need a more indirect approach to the way that you manage them. So, yeah, it is very important to actually try and look at the person and, you know, treat them like a tiger or maybe a little bit like a gentle hummingbird. Very much so. And obviously that's on an individual scale. But is that something you build up onto a larger scale, whether it be four individuals up to 70? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, a lot of our teams are already established um, before I even took on the role as a headkeeper. So, you know, there are a lot of teams out there that, you know, are quite happy as they are and, and you wouldn't want to take some people off. But, you know, if anybody ever expresses a wish to move section or if there is an opportunity to kind of, you know, shuffle somebody around because of short staffing or anything like that then that is definitely something that is considered where we think not only in terms of their their skills for working but what are their personalities like and are they going to fit in that team so although you're not at work to have best friends you know necessarily best friends outside of work that's fine but you know being able to get on with your job it is nice if the team do gel because it does make things an awful lot easier and there we go Ange that is the big questions totally finished you've completed them and finished them very, very well. So thank you very much for that. Now, this leads us to the final part of this podcast episode. It is the quick fire round. And as the listeners are quickly learning, it can either fly by or erupt into conversation. So let's see what way that goes and kick off with number one. It's a very simple one. And that is, what is your favourite animal? Um, That's definitely got to be uh, my tiger, Igor. Fortunately, he's no longer with us. But yeah, he was always my favourite boy. We had a very close relationship. He was the kind of animal that he would lounge around outside and everybody would be there trying to call him and get him in. And eventually they'd give up and call me. And as soon as I called him in, he'd come. So yeah, we had a very good relationship. Ah, an amazing pick and some very lovely words. So thank you very much for sharing those. Now, the next question I've got for you then, is what is your top tip for well-being and mental health? Um, I think basically having work-life balance. I think it's been said before, but you know it is really important to make sure that you can switch yourself off when you get home from work. We all know that we care a lot about our animals, and there's nothing wrong with thinking a little bit, but just trying not to get too bogged down with it, and and try not to beat yourself up too much. As I said earlier, if something goes wrong actually try to think about what went wrong and, and put a solution in, but don't beat yourself up too long about it. But yeah, have friends outside work, you know, find a hobby that takes your mind off of it and just try not to let it take over your life because it, it can quite easily do that. I think we've all been there at one point where it's work, 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 and you forget actually when you're outside of work, you just need to switch off for a minute. Yeah, some great words there. Now, the next question then is what is your top tip for motivating a team? Um, Listen to them. You know, everybody's got their ideas. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to say, yes to everything that they say but certainly listening to their ideas and making them feel like they're part of the team and they're important there's nothing better than somebody feeling listened to if they feel like then they don't matter then they're not even going to try so some really really great advice now 
The next one, I've kind of alluded to my own favourite, but what is the best part, in your opinion, of this industry? Uh, the animals, I think. Um, you know, there's, there's nothing better than rocking up to an exhibit and, and and there are your animals waiting for you to to come in and clean them or feed them or I can be having the worst day possible and, you know, everything's gone wrong and I can just pop down and see one of the animals and it just instantly puts a smile on your face and makes you feel happy about what you're doing. And if you achieve a little bit of training with them or you see them interact with a piece of enrichment that you've given, then that's what we're all here about. So, um, yeah, definitely the animals. Yeah, very, very nice. Now, now, this next question could take you absolutely anywhere in the globe. And that is, throughout this world, what zoo would you like to visit and why? Uh, well, at the moment, I've got a real big thing about going to the new bird park that's opened out there in Singapore. So I really want to go and see that collection of birds and um, just a little cheeky trip into Singapore to see the uh, the smooth-coated otters out in the wild. So that's a stud book I manage at the moment. So I'd love to see them running around. Yeah, as you can imagine, Singapore's coming up once or twice throughout these episodes. So a really, really good choice. A Very much a standout collection throughout this world and leading by example. So no, a great, great choice, Ange. Now, the next question I've got for you then, reversing a previous question, and that is, what would you improve within this industry? I think I would improve, like we said, you know, the communication and and the shouting loudly about what we actually achieve and what we do, because a lot of the press can be very negative. Um, if anything ever goes wrong in a zoo, it's always very much highlighted what's gone wrong. But, you know, we don't always highlight how much money we donate to conservation projects and how many species that we've brought back from the brink and, you know, what work we're doing with a lot of in situ projects and stuff and basically shouting about what we do and making people aware that as much as it's not ideal to have animals in zoos, we'd all love to see them running wild. But it would be lovely for people to actually know just how much we are supporting wildlife in the wild. Yeah, very much so. So now the next question then is what is the greatest part of your role? Being in charge of the whole park, really. I just, like I said, I've always wanted more and more and more and more. And the fact that I'm, you know, now able to get across every single animal exhibit in the whole zoo is great. You know, whereas I had a huge section and I could pop in and see a tiger or a hippo or a bird or whatever. Now I can go and see an orangutan or I can go and see a frog or I can go and see a goat. Just having the whole section to be able to kind of poke my head in and and the learning as well, just as much as I'm a very adaptable and dynamic keeper and I've worked with a lot of taxa, you know, there's, there's now so much more I can learn because every team leader I go and speak to about what's going on on their section, there's something more I learn every single day about their their animals and getting their wisdom and their um, their passion. You know, they're all so passionate about the animals they work from. And it's a really nice feeling if I'm feeling a bit flat and I go and speak to one of them and they're so enthusiastic about their animals, it then gives me a boost in my day. And you can come back to your office thinking, Do you know what, the team is amazing. And now I'm going to crack on with my job and, you know, be an amazing head keeper for them yeah it's really really nice to hear and I couldn't agree more that you don't stop learning every day is a, a day to learn and that is a, a, exactly the mentality I think everyone should live by so no a great great answer now this next question I meant it in a certain way it has evolved into a whole different question throughout these episodes so I'm looking forward to hearing what you've got to say but in this industry who is your idol? I guess we've all got sort of similar idols in David Attenborough, you know, Jane Goodall, all of those kind of people. I would say I've got more um, people I admire in the uh, in the zoo industry. So people who have kind of helped support me and, and get me progressing in my career and getting me to where I am, really. So um, a lot of the people, the curators and the management teams that I've worked with in the past have all, you know, picked up on 
things that I'm good or not so good at and kind of, you know, pushed me in the right direction to to get me where I am today, really. So, yeah, a lot of admiration for for quite a few people uh, in the industry that I've worked with, really. Some lovely words. Thank you so much for sharing those. Now we're on that final question of this whole episode. I always view this as the hardest because keepers love to talk, but we'll see how it goes, Ange. And that is, can you sum up this whole industry in only three words? Passionate, difficult at times. Um, and very progressive. You know, we're always trying as an industry to move forward. I don't know of many industries that have so many leaps forward as we do, and they might take their time. But when you consider where zoos were 20, 30 years ago to where we are now, and, and everybody always wants to push it forward. So even from the bottom keepers are now coming in with their ideas, you know, it's always going to keep moving forward. So yeah, I think passionate, difficult at times and progressive. Yeah, really, really well put. And before concluding this episode, I do have one bonus question to ask you, Ange. And that is for anyone listening, whether it be a student, a trainee keeper, a qualified keeper, or any form of management or anyone already in our zoos. What do you have to tell them? Why should they be working in our zoos, our wildlife park, our safari parks across the globe? And what are the benefits behind working as a keeper, working as an education officer or working within the management within our zoos? Uh, I think it's just the buzz that it gives you. You know, there's there's no two days that are the same. Um, you meet so many different people. You know, like you said, people are always coming and going. So it's always really nice to, um, you know, to work with loads of different people. But then there's also the, the public side as well. And I know sometimes everybody thinks, oh, God, the public. But actually, the conversations that you can have with them and, and the change that you can make if you get somebody who rocks up at your exhibit and they don't like something. I mean, mine was always vultures. I love the underdog species. So vultures, hyenas, things like that. But I loved working with the vultures because people would turn up. Oh, they're disgusting. Look at them. And you tell a little story about them. They go away thinking they're amazing. So, you know, it, it's really nice to work in an industry where you can make such a difference to people's opinions and by making a difference to their opinion you can then make a difference to that animal's life in the wild if every little person does their bit there's your conservation really really nicely put so thank you so much for this all and it's been a real pleasure having you on hearing your story and having you talk all things management with us it's been a real real pleasure no problem thanks for having me on and hopefully we'll get you on again very very soon thanks very much take care until then Ange. thank you bye-bye bye and that concludes this week's episode what an amazing guest and an amazing time we had now if you have enjoyed it please do subscribe on instagram facebook or our podcast channels to zookeeping 101 I can't express how thankful I am personally from a fellow zookeeper to have you along for this quite amazing journey learning about everything zookeeper. Otherwise, please subscribe. Thank you for listening and see you very, very soon. Bye.